Hey, AGs, are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villa Rosa. Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkel's clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic nonstick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a top chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered Home Threads because now I feel fully prepared to make eggs a la Francais. Head over to HomeThreads.com today and live your best Real Housewives life. Go to HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. HomeThreads, love where you live. Your life may be smoke and mirrors, but mine is a smoke show. In this town, I call all the shots and I take them. Holla! Oh my god. Holla, may her memory be a blessing, as my people say. Um, (laughs) It's been a week, you guys. You guys, it's Andy's Girls. It's episode 226, and I'm so excited to talk about two, I think, very different energies <laughs> related to the <laughs> franchises that we're, we're, totally we're, we're kind of figuring our way out through. The, it's like <laughs> one is a magical forest and the other is some godforsaken place, I don't know, in some... I can't even, like, the burn-down aftermath of, like, no an old-school Schwarzenegger just, movie. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, for real. Uh, you guys, welcome to the People's People's Couch for the very first time. He is a Bravo-holic. You know him through his Instagram. You may know him because he's on a little thing the kids call TikTok. No. Welcome, Julian Hagens. Yes. Julian. Yes, not the kids, but I feel so <laughs> young now. <laughs> We are very ageless by Ramona here on Andy's Girls. We don't understand numbers. I'm a lady. I don't get math, honestly. Oh, no. So, yes, I'm so happy to be here. I think it would be an understatement if I don't say that I am actually honored to be here. I always see the people here. I'm just like, I've always for a while, like, I want to be on your podcast. 
podcast. I want to talk. Because I'm like, do I even know enough Bravo? Like, I watch Bravo all day, and I'm like, do I know enough to, like, hang in the realm with these Bravo holics? So I'm so honored that I get to chat with you. Oh, my God. It's such an honor to have you. Andy's Girls does not abide by any kind of imposter syndrome. You are here because you are you and you are so qualified. And nobody else on earth like you. Like, fortunately for everybody else, nobody else on earth like me. And I'm so ready to dive, uh, deep dive, jump, do lots of things. We're recording this late on a Friday night. So I'm like a little extra kooky. I just need to do that as like a little bit of a warning to people. I do feel I'm like a little all over the place, but I'm into it. Have you had anything to drink today yet? No, so I actually drink very infrequently. I am one of those odd people. Oh, I've had water. I mean, I am usually dehydrated. (laughs) The thirst is real here on the upper side. Okay, okay. I am one of those people. I don't have a big. um, I, I like. I don't have an urge to drink alcohol. So when I do. Like, there's this, like, fucking haircut I've been talking about for forever and a half, which will be next week. And, like, I know that after that, I'm going to have between one and two glasses of wine. And I've been thinking about that for, like, a minute. Because I'm like, oh, and the, like, picture is going to be real cute. But I don't – I get drunk so easily. And I don't have a natural – Oh, yeah, real quick. Real, real, real quick. I don't think we can hang out in person. I mean, listen, it's an adventure. I'll I'll, I'll say that. So, like, I – like if I'm drinking out al- if I'm drinking alcohol, I'm so cool. But like if I'm like drinking alcohol, it's usually like a glass of white wine or like prosecco. But I've gone like many many months, if not longer, mm-hmm. many many months, if not longer, of not ever drinking because I just don't think of it. That is a skill you should add to your resume, honestly. Like I, I admire that. I wish I could say the same, honestly. <laughs> well, the problem is. People like gift me wine and stuff, and I'm like so excited about it. I love being given food. Like, it will take me, I'm always terrified that it's gonna go bad before I try it. And then my whole thing with like opening a bottle of wine is like, wait, I'm by myself. Like, the wine goes bad. Like, I can do one glass, and then I just. I, I'm not I don't I wish I I wish I was yeah. that person that like because it looks fun that like every night at six, you know, you have like your, your glass, glass of Pinot Reg- your bread. Ramona Pinot Grigio. Yeah, right. you have your like <laughs> Ramona Peachy and you have turtle time. I don't like but I like elk. I mean, I, I I you know, I just I I associate it with like a special event kind of thing, like mm. going to dinner with mm-hmm. friends and having like mm-hmm. back when that was a thing, which is becoming again. Thank God. But, um, you know, I, I amen. I just it's one of those things that I um, I don't think about and then I don't notice it. True. That I don't, you know what I'm saying? That I yeah. don't experience it. Oh, no, it? I totally get that. No, question, because I may be wrong, but I thought that wine gets better with time, right? I mean, much like Ramona's town <laughs> wine, much like a fine wine, I get better with time when it's really supposed to be age. I promise I mean, you I didn't purposely say that. <laughs> <laughs> It depends on the it depends on the bottle of wine. It also depends on the um oh my god, I just forgot the name of it and I oh uh oh fuck. It's like the thing that sulfites, like the stuff that mm-hmm. is in the wine that stops it from going bad. Like mm-hmm. I when I drink, I'm drinking like low sugar, low sulfite, usually like oh, organic biodynamic wine. Mm-hmm. I mean uh, <laughs> girl, thank you so much. Um 
But that stuff, like when I've gone to Paris and I've brought back wine, like I, there's wine that I've like not thought about. And then a year later, I'm like, let me pop this open. And it's rancid, you know, yeah. because it's like, if you don't have those fucking chemicals in it, you are fucked. Right. So, you know, Where guys, if you go be. on vacay and you get wine, <laughs> you got to drink it immediately. Just get a straw in the airport and chug that shit down. Immediately. No waiting. I, so, yeah, I, I admire that completely. <laughs> I feel like I drink way too much. Like, I'm on my, like, Ramona girl summer. Not even a hot girl summer. I'm on my yes. Ramona girl summer where it's, like, not even, like, wine. Just, like, and, like, I don't know... I'm going to sugarcoat it because now I'm starting to sound like an alcoholic. But <laughs> I will say with, like, um, quarantine and everything, how people make, like, mm-hmm. bread and, like, started baking and cooking and stuff like that, I really got more into, like, cocktails because I wanted to really craft it. So I, a lot of my friends, whenever they come over now, like, they enjoy, like, handcrafted cocktails, like, specialty <gasps> I drinks. I love that. I would love that. I actually have a Bravo, because you're not on TikTok with the kids, right? No, but I need to be, convince okay. me to be on TikTok. Okay, you have like so, literally bajillions of followers. <laughs> Tell me everything. So I just made a Bravo themed menu for my bar <gasps> and I didn't post it on Instagram. So I'm like, you probably didn't see. So I'm going to grab it right quick. Wait. <laughs> oh my God. We're so, having a little. So it's my this is like, Bravo. It's my sir. Bravo Bravo fucking bravo happy hour whoa wait a second guys just so you know <laughs> audio podcast i'm looking at an actual framed menu yes holy shit that's beautifully designed uh, thank you designed by yours truly and i have legend all of my drinks that i've made handcrafted like specialty drinks are named after bravo moments and so the first <gasps> one is who said that and then a scheme that Todd set up, Summer in the Hamptons, I will oh still God. drag you pregnant and all, drag me Monique, not well bitch, and goodbye Kyle. <laughs> so those what are the signature goodbye drinks. Kyle? That is pretty much... Like St. Germain or something? It's What's close. It's whiskey, orange juice, simple syrup, orange oh. liqueur. So it's like a, um, it's like a morning drink, you know? Wake yeah. up. Feeling like saying goodbye to Kyle in your kin voice, you know? <laughs> wow, I'm so into that. So, yeah. That's, so, that's a great thing to develop. I think that's yeah. super fun. I love that. So, whenever we hang out, I will make us special Bravo drinks. <laughs> oh, oh my God, I would love that. I did one time try to figure out how to make a margarita, but you know what I did? I put, this is so, I put like tequila, like I got like Casamigos or whatever. Shout my out to Denise Richards. Period. <laughs> um, I did like Casamigos with like seltzer or something, and then I tried adding <laughs> your face right now. <laughs> and then I added like agave or something. It was really bad. Oh, I no. didn't follow a recipe. No. I think I added a lime and I was like, cheers. And it was real bad. And I don't have a cocktail shaker because I'm not an adult. So it was like, I don't know, probably using a plastic cup. This was not that long ago. Oh, look. Denise like. is not dead, but she is definitely rolling in her grave right now. <laughs> <laughs> What's her thing? She likes Ca- Casamigos Reposado. Yes. Is that the one that's the one that she like? Yeah, because there's like Because mm-hmm, she always gets it just straight up. I'm like, I'm going to be that yes. bitch. That's just like. Yeah, give me because Casamigos is expensive. 
I have the bottle of the mezcal, but like if you order it out, it is so expensive. So I'm like, I want to be Denise Richards, but I can afford to be Denise Richards right now. (laughs) Which housewife past present would you like to kiki with? Like, who do you want to get drinks with and just live your best life instinctively? I would say, let me, let me take a trip. So I, Denise is on the list of potentials. I love Atlanta, but if it's just like a casual, like having a drink, shooting the shit, getting the tea, and just super casual, I would say to be super low key, I would stay in Beverly Hills, you know? I would, it's honestly between Lisa Vanderpump and Denise Richards. Wow. I would say Denise Richards just because I love, I I love Vanderpump. I don't like Vanderpump rules, but I love Lisa Vanderpump. But I feel like if we were having a conversation and it was just like, friends, she is very sneaky and strategic Mm -hmm. to where I feel like it wouldn't Mm -hmm. be too genuine. With Denise, I feel like she's the most laid back person to where like, she would probably mistake me for, like, one of her actual girlfriends and just, like, mm-hmm. you know, let herself loose and we have, like, a genuine connection easily. So that's, like, one of the housewives that I like, but if I was given a chance to, like, hang out with, I feel like I would really connect with her personally and not, like, oh, this is a fan, you know? I The thing with Lisa that I find really interesting <laughs> with LVPA is that, like, she is very crafty and strategic mm-hmm. on camera. She doesn't reveal... That was the big critique about her is that she d- was not willing to reveal some of the, you know, characteristics that, that don't lend themselves to, like, the angel of BH. Mm-hmm. And yet, I feel like with Friends, I bet she's a lot of fucking fun. When she's not being filmed, when she's not worried about, like, the edit, when she's not trying to, like, get somebody to, you know, seek revenge on somebody else, I think she could be a lot of fun, maybe. That is true. And I feel so much better knowing that you're LVP stan. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't oh, know. Too soon. <laughs> <laughs> maybe a little bit. Maybe a little bit. I do think that she, like, does seem to be someone that she, she doesn't is, be somebody that like, she's is a person, living a fun life. She's a person that I feel like we would be great friends, but would we be mm-hmm. close friends? Potentially, mm-hmm. but I would still have a sense of a guard up, no matter how close mm-hmm. we get. Because even with the whole thing with um, Kyle when they were at the restaurant recently and she sent the bill as, like, a joke. Oh, right. I felt like when... I hate Kyle separate, uh, apart from her. But, and I feel like she took that to the extreme. And mm-hmm. to where I'm just like, you know, I feel like LVP is like, like that's her sense of humor, you know? Mm-hmm. And even if she, even if we hated each other, if any of my enemy of mine, and let's just say we're rich <laughs> and they sent me their bill, if we had a history together, even if we hated each other, if I had the money and they joke and did that, I would lighten up just a little bit, you know, and not just like, oh, how dare they send me their bill, like, blah, blah, blah. And I feel like she jokes with that a lot and how that is kind of like crossing a line. Even Mm -hmm. if we were friends or not, I feel like she always tests her boundaries. Even if you Mm -hmm. set a clear boundary, I still feel like she still tries to test it. And that's where it's just like, I would respect her as a friend, 
but I would still have a sense of a guard up because I feel like she always tests her boundaries no matter who you are. Yes, and I do have to say there's something that uh, your best friend Kyle Richards said. I just heard you say so <laughs> I'm very into that adoration. But something that Kyle said that I thought was actually really interesting is, so Kyle has run, they have, these women have seen each other at, Uh, restaurants several times since they're falling out and Kyle has said that she has gone up to Lisa every time to attempt to say hi or something and is completely rebuffed really obviously make which makes sense in the context like it's just very cold obviously these these women don't like you know there's a lot of I think frustration and possibly anger that Lisa feels Mm -hmm. about what happened with her season regardless of whether or not you agree with that mm-hmm. and by you i mean a person <laughs> um not necessarily indirectly um although we'll get to it but so from what i remember because i think kyle talked about this on the watch what happens after show is that this was the very first night where she didn't actually where she saw lisa and decided not to say hi where it was like she was just kind of over getting the cold shoulder and realized she wasn't into it and also she was by the way getting dinner with one of the producers from bh which i'm sure is connected to this Mm-hmm. And so Lisa then has the server bring over the check as a joke. And I think, you know, what Kyle was saying is like, yes, this is a joke she's making. It's also the first time that she's tried to do anything. And I think it's because it was like the first time that I didn't, you know, put a step forward mm-hmm. into trying to be friendly. And that that was why, you know, she was putting some attention because she hadn't been receiving it in return. Okay. Okay. I, I, I will give I will give her that. <laughs> and again, I'm not one of the crazy LVP fans. It's like, oh, she's mm. always hard. Because even with the dog thing, um, what mm-hmm. was it? Lucky Lucky Lucy or something like that? Lucy Lucy Apple. Yeah, Lucy yep. Lucy. So with that, I 100% think that she had a part in it. Do I think she went to TMZ and sent the story? No. Was she radar aware? Yeah. Uh, well, radar online. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was she aware? Yes. Is that why she went to TMZ to clear her name? Absolutely. Like mm-hmm. she's, I relate to her so much. That's why I understand it. Because with what I do, I'm always strategic. You know, even especially with friends. If I have an issue with a friend, it's kind of crazy, and it's a toxic Sagittarius of me, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I have strategic ways to really, um, if you don't come, like, admit, I have ways to make you admit, you know? So what that's why I... One of those, what are one of those ways? I mean, I'm, tell me your secret. Like, um, what's the, teach me your talent. Sub- what's one of the things Subscribe that you to my Patreon. Link is in the bio. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, but that's why I can relate to her in the sense where that's why I feel like, although I don't think she straight up went to Radar Online herself, mm-hmm. I feel like she had a part in it. And, like, she's mm-hmm. very smart and strategic. And to everyone's defense, it just didn't, like, brush over her. Like, what? Who said that? Like, I don't, I don't think right. that was the case. So, um... With this whole thing with the bill and the restaurant, I didn't know the history of her coming up to Lisa and trying to speak to her. So that's news mm-hmm. to me. Um, so it, with that context, I do understand. Like if you've tried and tried and tried, 
regardless of who where I stand, if you try to make amends with someone over and over and they don't listen to it, I'm always the type that I don't wait for you. Like we can either talk now or later, but I'm not gonna wait on you and when you're comfortable mm-hmm. for it. So I'm all for although I hate Kyle, I'm all for her too. If if that's <laughs> what she decides to do, you know, go go at it. <laughs> What, what has your experience been watching Beverly Hills so far? What do you think of this season? What do you think of the cast? So with this current cast, I I do, I have enjoyed the past couple of episodes so far. I will say that I completely hated how they treated Denise. And I was like, mm. I'm not going to watch this show. Mm-hmm. Um, I When I saw that Denise wasn't on and Garcelle would still be on, I was like, okay, I will continue to watch just to see Garcelle and support her and see how they, you know, twist this story. But, and then I saw the trailer and I was like, oh, okay, this will be interesting. But so far I have enjoyed it. Um, that answer may change in the next mm-hmm. couple of episodes because we're diving more into Erica's divorce, which mm-hmm. I, well, divorce, quote unquote, um, yes, yep. <laughs> which I have a lot of opinions about and mm-hmm. I we can get into that a little bit later but I, I'm enjoying it so far but I think that will change when the spotlight mm-hmm. comes on her because I don't like the strategy that she's taken with this mm-hmm. I mean I think you know what's so interesting or what I find kind of interesting about this week about Housewives episodes this week is you know, New York to me has felt very dark and mm, uh, mm. sort of upsetting to watch. And certainly the ways that some of these housewives have been communicating mm-hmm. online or lack thereof has been really mm-hmm. shitty. And, mm-hmm. the you know, like, and I mean that in the most optimistic way, it's been <laughs> a nightmare. Um, mm-hmm. And then I look at Beverly Hills and, you know, I watched the episode, rewatched it again this more uh, this morning. Did I? Um, and I just honestly, the vibe and the energy feels so good, even when there are really tense conversations mm-hmm. between the women, specifically this week with Sutton and Crystal. Mm-hmm. There's so much going on. There are so so it feels like there are so many different stories that are happening mm-hmm. that even though we know what next week will, what the you know last minute of Beverly Hills brought us with the Erica's mm-hmm. text announcement mm-hmm. of her divorce and how that will, I'm sure, be the focus and then leading up into the financial chaos of what's going on with Tom. Mm-hmm. But it just feels like there's so many different relationships being navigated and the energy feels very clear and very high for the majority of these kind of relationships that Mm -hmm. we're watching um, these women kind of deep dive this week. It just felt like there's so much going on. I was very, it it felt like the best kind of like saturation of Yeah, for sure. It's definitely been engaging. Um, The only complaint that I feel like it's kind of cut off now, now that the spotlight's on Erica, is the whole race issue that Mm. a lot of the um, predominantly white cat-like shows are showing now. And I 
I really am a little bit disappointed with Bravo in the shows, you know, lately with um, what they're doing with the Housewives. And Beverly Hills, like, the last two episodes, um, of course, is great because Crystal definitely stood her own. And I think she shut that down in a, in queen fashion. And that's why I'm like, okay, I think that's said and done. And we can move on to Erica's divorce. But the reason that that had to happen is still the only thing that's kind of bothering me, you know? Mm-hmm. New York is ongoing bothering me. And once we get dive into that, we can dive deeper into that. But I... I just hate that it's kind of like a lot of the minorities are being introduced, ironically, quote unquote, to these um, really big, predominantly white casts. And yes, it's great for exposure. Like, yes, I'm super excited for that. But it seems like every with every show, Dallas, Beverly Hills, and now New York those minority people are being faced with pretty much racism. You know, we can cover it up and, you know, add different quotes to it. But at the end of the day, it's racism that they're being faced with and having to defend themselves and educate other people on that. And the other people's racism and not, and you know, or their privileges are showing, you know, just like with Sutton, like everyone was a Sutton stand. I, I won't say I was a Sutton stan. I I was rooting to see her more on the screen, but I wasn't like, oh, she is giving what Beverly Hills needed. Like, I wasn't one of those people because when people are saying, I'm like, what more is she saying? Like, she's just reading Teddy, which is an easy per Anybody can read her, <laughs> you know? So, um, but I was, I wanted to see more of her. So I was glad too, but I feel more, um, a type of way that these minority people are kind of it seems strategically placed you know and they're being attacked on these shows and having to defend themselves and really face the world you know and and you know it's a data racism is a day-to-day thing for a lot of minorities um and to not only have your day-to-day racism and you know week-to-week racism, now you have to face that on a million-viewer platform. You know, it's kind of hard. It's hard to see. And so with Beverly Hills, um, it was... I was glad that that did come up, and I was glad that Sutton... I mean, I'm sorry, Crystal did um, speak well and hold her own. Um but I don't think that's the cure for Beverly Hills. I don't think she cured Beverly Hills of their racism yet. That's so interesting to me. Is there, um, do you think that the idea of privilege Mm -hmm. in Beverly Hills in this way, in the space that we're talking about when we talk about racism, microaggressions, racist behavior or ideology mm-hmm. whatever that is would there have been any other opportunity to have these convert what would have been a better route to introduce um, diverse voices on Beverly Hills without also leaving women who are women of color to have to defend themselves and explain 
racism and microaggressions to a majority white cast? That's a great point. Um, I will say that I'm glad, and I don't think there's a way, a a better way to do this, you know, because if it was done like, oh, we're going to ease in a friend, it seems like then it's like, oh, you just don't want to have a black person on here. You want to make them a friend of and have a friend of. So there, there's no easy way to do this. My only issue, and it kind of dives more into the New York aspect, in Dallas, um, a little bit, is that there is really no action that is taken on the people who say and do these things that are hurtful and um, racist, but also discriminating and just privilege, you know, that can affect negatively people of color, you know, Um, there's no action taken. And so that's an issue that I have. So I'm glad that the conversation was had because it's definitely with the minority cast members, I'm so glad that they have been placed on these platforms to, you know, make a stand. But my only issue now is that there's no action that is being done, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, my, the intention in what I'm saying is to challenge the idea that these mm-hmm. women are seemingly, we're seeing this a, a cycle repeat itself. Mm-hmm. We saw it on Dallas. We're seeing it in... Mm-hmm. Beverly Hills to a different kind of extent, and we're seeing it obviously uh, with great damage happening in real time as well on New York. Mm -hmm. And it feels like the network is making the same problem over and over again, which is their idea of introducing diversity. And I say that, you know, word of the night is in quotes, is to put in place um, in each of these franchises, maybe one person of color with mm-hmm. Beverly Hills. There are two with New York. We do know that there is a friend of who is black who's joining mm-hmm. the franchise at mm-hmm. some point this mm-hmm. season. But regardless, you have essentially one woman of color in each of these um, franchises uh, in Beverly Hills, too. And you're putting them into a position and in a situation with women who are of privilege and uh, very problematic. I mean, you see that probably Mm -hmm. the most right now in recent, you know, seasons with Dallas and New York particularly. Mm -hmm. And it does not feel like there has been any kind of vet about racial insensitivities. It does not feel like there has Mm -mm. been any kind of education or preparation So I have to ask myself, is this what they were looking for to happen? Because it does not feel like these women are stepping into environments in which um, there is an understanding of safety. Like if we're going to pretend that Bravo doesn't condone violence, which is a fun thing they say (laughs) when black housewives have any kind of heightened altercation. But it's an LOL and joke when Danielle Stav does it in Jersey or Teresa does it or anybody else. Or Ramona throws a glass and breaks someone's lip and tries to throw an oar at her nets. (laughs) BCC Kristen, how you doing? Uh, Pop a collar. But if there is an idea that you know the quote of bravo doesn't condone violence which is what andy said at the beginning of uh of potomac yeah potomac in atlanta Mm -hmm. and atlanta um look how that works um (laughs) if they make sure to say that when it comes to violence what about racism like Mm -hmm. where is the we don't condone this it's very odd to me that there has been no recognition 
of any of the behavior that's been happening online. It almost feels like the network assumes that we know that this stuff is wrong, but that's not... Why is there a little bit of an imbalance happening? You know, because mm -hmm. it, it you cannot, when it comes to these issues relating to racism, you cannot assume that the audience is going to understand the dynamics of this if the cast isn't. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And again, I the biggest issue that I have is they are saying things but not doing anything. For example, the Bravo. The network? The network, the yes. Okay. Because, for example, this whole um, uh, We Stand Against Racism, like uh, Instagram Live, whatever, that they've been doing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When they first did that, the race in America or something like that with Candy, they had it on Instagram Live and people were upset. Like, this is what you need to show on TV, not Instagram. Like, this is a major message. It needs to be on TV. They heard it and they did it. Then they were still doing little things like, oh, we're going to continue this saga, blah, 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 blah. When the whole thing happened with Tiffany, they, um, like, everyone was blowing up Cameron and her husband and his brother or whatever on what they were saying. Mm -hmm. And then Bravo finally released a statement like, we stand with Tiffany. Again, they only said it. No action. So it's like, you're only saying these things, but what we're asking for in your comments are actions. Like, these people need to be fired. Like, I don't understand how they, well, why they fired the people from Vanderpump Rules. Like, because even then, again, I don't watch Vanderpump Rules, but I've heard about what happened and the people. But a lot of people who do, they were just like, oh, yes, it's, it's good that they fired XYZ, whoever they fired. But they also need to fire ABC, you know, these other people. So it's just like they only made one action towards racism and that was it. So it's just like, well, what was the reason for that if these other people are being racist and there's no actions done with this? And what really pissed me off the, a couple of days ago was after the whole thing with New York, they made a flyer like, hey, check out Instagram we're against racism. We're going to be talking with Ebony Williams on Instagram Live. With Nina Parker. And I literally commented because I was really upset. And I was like, we keep talking. Like, there's nothing more she can say. I'm glad she has a platform. I'm glad she's voicing her opinion. But there's nothing more she can say that will add to the to how we feel. Like, there's nothing new. Like, we are, we feel the same way. We know how, how she feels. And we feel the same way times 10. We need action. Like, these people are still employed. And I just started New York. And it's sad to say that even uh, until recent, like, Luann, well, post-countess, was one of my favorite uh, housewives in New York. Mm -hmm. And so I was really hurt to see this. And I'm, But there has been other things like, with, and I posted more on TikTok, which has went viral, and I'm glad that more people are able to see. Like when, I don't know if you're familiar, I think it was when uh, Aviva's father was dating the black girl, mm -hmm. and she was doing Sonia's nails, and she's like, oh, like, how did you get this? Like, where did you get these nice crystals? And she's like, oh, the neighbors are going to call the cops. They're like, my dealer is here. And different oh, little God. microaggressions like that. 
to where, like, of course, Aviva's father was horrible, but he even challenged Ramona, like, when she was like, oh, your parents are, you don't have any parents. And he even said to her, like, how you said that because she's black, she takes offense to that because a lot of people are like, oh, like, because you're black, like, you don't have parents or you don't have your dad or this, that, and the other. And it just went straight over her head and they didn't even touch on that in the reunion. So it's just been years and years of this to where there has been no action done. And I don't know what it would take. And with Kelly Dodd, I know Andy made a comment that was like, and sorry to disrespect our father on his podcast. <laughs> <laughs> But my baby dad, my baby daddy. Right. Baby daddy. <laughs> so um, he was like, oh, well, you know, the thing with Kelly Dodd, like, you know, this is her story. And, you know, she's representation of Orange County and this and the other. And it's like, okay, well, Orange County is known to be racist. Like, that's like the stigma that if you ask most people, and if that's what she's doing, a representation of that, why are you giving her a platform? And I also heard, I don't know if it's from him, but other people that like, oh, like, it's, you know, to see their evolution. You know, it's their story, reality TV. And, you know, at the end of the day, yes, it's great to see pure reality TV that's real and authentic. But at the end of the day, it's just entertainment, you know. And if these people are problematic and they have issues or deep racism, they need therapy, not our, not cameras <laughs> to catch this and see their growth. Like, they need therapy and then they can come back. But for reality TV, yes, you want to see a holistic character and see their journey or whatever. But, like, when it's things like that, that's not justification to still be on a show. You know, like, oh, you've been racist, but we're going to still pay you and film you to see, to see if you're going to change. You know, mm-hmm. we're going to place... You just like with Dallas, like you said something about Asian people, so we're gonna place an Asian person here and help you. No, you need to go to therapy. Like you need to get that fixed. You know. I mean, I don't know if it's. I don't know as a big fan of therapy and and mental health <laughs> services in general. I don't know that therapy is the answer. Oh no 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 no. I think education no. is. Oh yeah. The problem is mm-hmm. like if these are women who are telling us they have no interest in participating in these conversations or these are women who we have always known were problematic and Mm. there has been some side eye for some of their behavior during previous seasons of things that can certainly be considered a microaggression Mm -hmm. at least if not something more now we're watching them actual we're watching ourselves confront the reality of many of these women who whose problematic nature or thought of problematic nature, we have been able to willfully ignore. So Mm -hmm. like we've seen people be nightmares, but because they're being nightmares to each other, fellow white women Mm -hmm. of means, it has been easier to digest and feel like, okay, this is entertainment, this is escapism, Mm -hmm. these are complicated women living complicated lives. When the introduction of women of color come into the equation and you're watching the problematic nature of these women get weaponized because of uh, microaggressions and and behavior that can be defined as racist Mm -hmm. it's a it's a more difficult kind of show to watch because i just wonder like who else is here to act as 
if the producers aren't going to step in and, and, and or we're not seeing that in the edit, like who's willing to step in here and really um, be, you know, the active ally or someone who's saying like, this is not okay. Like right. if the point mm -hmm. is that the cameras aren't, are going to stay up, they're not going to go down. Mm -hmm. There's going to be these moments, you know, Ebony being ordered essentially to leave Luann's mm -hmm. house after being gaslit mm -hmm. uh, in every possible way mm -hmm. from what you're saying didn't happen to you're not allowed to show emotion because I will immediately weaponize it against you or I'll tell you the things that you're saying that are factually correct or untrue you know however whatever Lou is saying like who is going to be the person to step in and say that isn't okay because I don't know as a I'm saying this as a white person, mm -hmm. there is a benefit to having these kinds of conversations to mm -hmm. people say not necessarily the Lou dynamic, but to have conversations about race in America mm -hmm. and the privilege that these majority white casts have specific to being white. Mm -hmm. Those are conversations that are important to have. It's unfortunate they haven't existed until these casts are introduced to right. cast members who are of color, which is in and of itself a challenge. Like, yeah. that's not mm -hmm. great. Mm -hmm. But there has to be a way in which we can navigate this without women of color being introduced and feeling like they are unsafe, which right. doesn't mm -hmm. mean physically unsafe it means like are you am i being in a position where i am forced to work with colleagues mm -hmm. who are not allowing me to be my true self and are marginalizing mm -hmm. me as a result mm -hmm. of it like there must be some way to navigate this right. it's just mm -hmm. un it's unfortunate because like sonia to me as a viewer did a really strong great job last oh, week and this week of standing up for you know, Ebony and I watched like Leah being kind of quiet because she, <laughs> you know, is given side eye. But, you know, often we have to use our voices, you know, like I don't there's so many issues and complications that have come up as a result of what we're watching play out on these specific franchises and Dallas when it just uh, wrapped and. There is no easy answer. I just know that the problem that we're seeing in each of these franchises is continuing. It doesn't seem like lessons are really being learned from the right. network side of things mm -hmm. about how to diversify franchises without doing so in a way that feels almost like dangerously symbolic where mm -hmm. you are putting in women of color without protections without allies and mm -hmm. you are asking them to fight for their own right, right. to exist on these shows you know yeah mm -hmm. and and to your point um two things like the point that you made with the like producers stepping in you know to where like when she asked her to leave like you know, is at what point do the producers step in and say, "Whoa, like this is not the vision for that we want to go"? And I get because I studied production; that was my major, so I I, I get the whole aspect of it to where you don't want to have it be a controlled environment, especially with Bravo. I feel like it's not scripted. 
Um, and it gives off that vibe to even if it is, and I just don't know, they give off a very authentic vibe to where you don't feel like, oh, they're telling people and it's a controlled environment. So I get, hey, run the cameras. We want this to be raw and real. But you also don't, you know, they'll break the fourth wall for Denise. You know, when the producer mm-hmm. came in, it was like, get to reality, blah, 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 blah. They'll break the fourth wall for all these other things. But when it, when you see, when you see, hey, this is going a different route and this is awful. It may not even be like, hey, like, let's redo this scene. And actually, you don't say this. So we're going to cover up to where you're not racist. You can still show it, but you should also protect, you know, your cast, but also your mm-hmm. cast of color. Mm-hmm. The Housewives of Atlanta actually filmed at the hotel that I worked in. And my manager in Athens, when Nini and Phaedra came to Athens, they actually stayed at the hotel oh I worked in. And it was before I worked there. So my boss is like, oh, like, it's crazy because they were walking in and they said what they were saying or whatever. And then, like, the sound guy was like, oh, we didn't catch the audio. Like, redo this. And he was like, they had to go back and then say everything back over again. So it was like, I, you know, I, I get that. And that's, like, with anything. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if they can do this, we'll do that, and then do with Denise, and all these mm-hmm. other things, that would have been the moment that you should have broken the fourth wall, to say, mm-hmm. hey, Lou, like, this is not right. Like, you mm-hmm. know, how the producers, or, you know, Kenya's um, lawyer was talking to her with the cameras down, whatever, about mm-hmm. the real raw moment, that should have been mm-hmm. the moment that they broke the fourth wall. Even if they came to Lou and it's like, look, what you're saying is problematic. You need to listen mm-hmm. to her. Like, this is wrong. Like, this and the other. And it doesn't have to be like, oh, we're trying to save face. But, like, this is wrong. We cannot stand with this. But they didn't. And they let her walk out, Ebony walk out of her home and, you know, feel defeated. And... I'm glad that, you know, minority voices are on these shows to speak. And and I get that, you know, it's great that um, these, you know, white women um, who are privileged are able to be introduced to this conversation. But it's very hard to watch because it kind of seems like there are punching bags that are placed in these harsh territories to where they have to take on all of these. And it hasn't been easy for anyone. You know, it's been evident for Ebony, Tiffany, um, somewhat Garcelle in a sense, but especially Crystal. She's a strong woman, but even with her not coming to dinner on last mm-hmm. night's or whatever episode, you can tell that that really bothered her, you know? And I'm sure outside of the cameras, it probably bothered her because, hey, this is on a show now. Like, I'm having to defend my race to this person, <laughs> you know? So, um, I, I, I'm I glad that they're here, but it, it, it's kind of hard because, you know, from a minority perspective, I would feel devastated if I am that person that have to be on this show and have to defend this. And especially if I'm thrown in and they're attacking me and gaslighting me, because that's one of my biggest pet peeves all the arguments that I have with friends former friends whatever the biggest thing even bosses like I hate to be gaslit that's the biggest thing mm-hmm. uh, that you can do to me that will take me off to gaslight me that make me feel like I'm crazy and that's why watching New York's episode or two episodes it was very hard to see 
And even when, you know, Ramona and Lu, I think Luann said it, but they were like, well, educate us, educate us. It's, and Ebony was right. Like, you know, it, it's not my job to educate you. You know, you, especially with them, y'all are 70-year-old women. <laughs> you know, your life is... 60. Oh, 60. sorry, 60. <laughs> really, really. 50s plus, 50s plus. Ramona no. is like literally ageless at this point. It's very upsetting pretty, to me. Pretty much. Literally <laughs> Lose her doctor. Yeah. But in the sense that you should sort of know these things by now. If right, 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 right. If you're a woman living in New York City at this point and you yes. have not understood basic tenets of white privilege. Yes. I mean, I guess that's that. this is the reality of it. Of course Ramona hasn't. Like, right. Like, her mm-hmm. party with 50 friends. Were they not all white? <laughs> Was, like, every last friend white? I believe yes. Right. And I... Because I listened to your last podcast with Ryan, and he said it completely with the whole Luann thing. Like, I feel like it was just her countess ego that really got in the way to not really listen, you know? And I've watched almost every franchise. And again, I'm watching New York. I'm a, I made it to season nine. So I've seen all the arguments, even including Luann. Not once have I seen her respond to anything, even with Ramona coming for her marriage, coming for her former marriage, uh, Bethany calling her a hoe, all this stuff. Not once has she said, unless they cut it, like, oh, you're an angry woman. Like, you're like, you need to think about how you're speaking to me. You need to leave my house. Like, even the not, the two years in the Birchers, not once did she leave. Or kick anybody out. Even after that whole fight with Bethany, she still stayed there, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, it was something like I've never seen. And it was really raw for me because I'm simultaneously watching and catching up on New York. So I'm seeing all the years and all the seasons of all the fights and things where I'm like, oh, Ramona said this, you don't need to be friends with her. And she just brushed it over, you know? So with this, it was it was different. And that's what kind of hurt me the most because to where you, you can say like, oh, like, I'm not talking about your race, blah, blah, blah. But it, she said things and acted a certain way that has not been to all these other people. Even new people that were introduced, if they were up to the wrong way, she still never like gaslit these people and said things like she was in control, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. And it's, it's, you know, something that Ebony has discussed. Uh, you know, I watched her um, Instagram live with Nina Parker, I would asked her some uh, questions in the clubhouse that she did the night that New York aired. And she also did a six minute Instagram live where she was just discussing the reasons that she was going to be essentially m- more than likely offline for the next two weeks. And we're on week two at this mm-hmm. point, or next week is she'll be back. Um, and there is the understandable sense of unpacking the idea that Lou has put up with nearly everything except allowing a black woman to disagree. Mm-hmm. Like when it came mm-hmm. to the point where Ebony was saying, I disagree with yeah. you, that was immediately weaponized. Yeah. And Ebony was saying at one point she was like, I forget, I think this was an Instagram live with Nina, but she was like, you know, we are broadcasters like she and Nina are broadcasters. They work in the TV broadcasting space. Um, and so they are used to certainly Ebony is having worked at Fox 
used to needing to be able to drive a conversation and literally ensure that their voices are heard. Mm -hmm. And it was that kind of projection, Mm -hmm. which is professionally based. The foundation is in professional success that Ebony was exhibiting in that scene at Lou's house where she was like, I am projecting my voice i'm not yelling i'm projecting my voice yeah my foundation of professional success to ensure that my voice is heard this is something that i do and i'm going to use the word again professionally (laughs) to great success Mm -hmm. to ensure that you are listening to me and then you weaponize that and on top of it you do not allow me to have a basic spectrum of feelings or humanity and yet you go the completely other route when it's literally anybody else bethany is screaming at her telling her she is a slut in the berkshires <laughs> at we saw however many minutes of that with timestamps you know that went on for a long yeah. fucking time i mean we have the timestamps we know right. it did she is screaming at her dorinda has called her every word in the book <laughs> sonia has screamed at her Leah obviously just called them all whores two seconds or, or sluts right. or hoes, whatever, whatever <laughs> it is. Someone having a good time two seconds <laughs> earlier. And yet it is this person who is saying, I have an education who is the person to trigger you. And yes. what was upsetting yes. to me was like, Lou seemed to have too much fun waging that fight with Ebony. And in the scene back at Ramona's, her saying to Ebony straightforward, like saying, I'm going to apologize to you, but I need you to also apologize. And when Ebony right. says, why? Luann says, because your behavior upset me. That is not Ebony's responsibility. No. And that also Mm-mm. feels like this the theme for New York so far. Right. And I want to bring up a point that I just realized because I posted on my story. Um because, again, I haven't made it to season 10 yet. I posted one clip about one scene on TikTok, and they were like, oh, well, remember when she... I think it was, like, when Kenya did the Native American um, thing on Housewives of Atlanta. Oh, that just happened. This yes. Season and then they were... And so I posted that, but... Oh, Luann. Sorry. Yeah, but yeah, at a dinner yeah. on this episode I was watching at the same time, mm-hmm. I posted, I was like, oh, well, this is, like, Luann, because she was... They were saying, like, oh, like, she's Cherokee, and she was like, like, you shouldn't say this, and Luann was like, like, she made that noise, and was... Right, and which so, is incredibly racist. Right, and right. so I posted that, and then that's when I was like, well, she did blackface, and I was like, what? Like, well, I haven't made it that far yet, so I fast-forward, because I'm like, you have to be kidding me, like, there's no way that she came straight mm-hmm. in blackface, and she is still here, <laughs> and, like, I have not heard of this yet, and I saw that she did and so I posted that today, um, but there was a part of it that kind of like shook me that I don't think many people notice to where it shows that these white women are comfortable with um, saying and doing things that can be racist or um, discriminatory without repercussions. Because when Luann came in, Ramona, they were like, oh, like everyone was shit, like, well, like, what is this? But Ramona was like, oh, you even have like the dark skin, like, oh, like, look at you. And she said it so casually that no one picked up on it. And it was just blurred in with like the rest of the audio and they moved on to the next scene. But like, I was just like, 
why would she say that? Like, you know, like, even if you knew, like, your friend was doing blackface, like, you wouldn't just say, oh, like, you got the dark skin going, the B Diner Ross, like, oh, go off. And even afterwards, Luann was like, oh, well, I didn't change my color and or blah, 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 which clearly she changed her shade. But it was just things like that that when I saw that today confirmed that these people are not used to being called out. They're used to saying and doing things that can be racist and that can be triggering, but they're not used to repercussions. So they're just like, oh, even Ramona, like I, I'm not really a Bethany stand post her second entrance. Um, but she was true with what, how she called Ramona the apologizer or the apologizing machine to where she just shoots out, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I feel like that's what she was doing to Ebony to where it's just like, oh, like, I'm sorry, you know, educate me, educate me, like, just like that, like, oh, like, you need to educate me, like, I'm so sorry, and think that everything will be okay when that's not the case. I feel like on New York, it's, the way that I'm thinking about it in my head right now is like, in the ways that Luann wore blackface mm-hmm. as a costume, many of these women are using allyship as a performance. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like you're not nec- you are playing a part, or be- because you believe that you fit this role, <laughs> Heather, you are able to. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, and to a certain extent, Leah, which is oh. a very sensitive topic for mm-hmm. Leah herself for us to like engage in and I think it's important something that Heather said I don't know that she understands how to live it but like to sit in the uncomfortable for a second mm-hmm. like what really stayed with me the last few moments of New York was Ebony standing in front of her a black woman talking about the fact that you are saying that you are not voting because you are sick of this but I don't I don't have that option. Mm -hmm. And Leah being so triggered at the idea that Heather is trying to hold her accountable or whatever for her earlier monologue about not voting cuts her off and runs to (laughs) essentially aggress Heather in Mm -hmm. whatever way and have whatever conversation we're going to be seeing next week. And Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, but, and I know that she's not in a great mental space because of everything going on with her grandmother which p.s ebony is also experiencing but there is something to be said for the fact that we all assume you especially that you are an absolute ally to ebony and i know that you guys are close friends Mm -hmm. however she is also a black woman Mm -hmm. speaking to a white woman about the dangers inherent in even having a discussion Mm -hmm. about saying i am choosing not to vote Mm -hmm. and you're not present for it right and you need to be uncomfortable for a second Mm -hmm. and listen like Mm -hmm. it's and i I get everything with i get that she was not in a a good emotional space i don't want to take that away from Mm -hmm. her but i also was like this is not we're not getting the nuance here and maybe it's because people get very upset when we discuss it but i do think it's a good idea to try to navigate the uncomfortable because there are obvious issues with which we what we just saw on new york Mm -hmm. but there are also a lot of gray everyday matters that a lot of people experience and who better to have that conversation with than someone who like 
very readily and continuously is eye rolling about like lose stuff yeah. and Ramona like wouldn't that be the person that you would feel comfortable discussing this with the person who I I do believe believes that she is an ally I, I do believe that she is but like this is the uncomfortable stuff of right mm-hmm. you we should be able to talk about this yeah mm-hmm. and because that moment was tough right and that's kind of why um i kind of had an issue with leah <laughs> when she first came on because ironically i've never seen any new york like i said i just started watching like a few months that's ago so from, interesting to me yeah from so season one um so i just started watching like a few months ago so i've never seen it and the first season that i saw was um the season last season when she first came mm-hmm. and so the first couple of episodes i was like oh okay cool like it's it's, it's nice you know it's given it what it's given <laughs> you know it's in its mm-hmm. own territory but when leah came how and people who continued that season they were like oh well she calmed down but she was just so much mm-hmm. to where it was just chaotic and I'm like, I get housewives are crazy, but like, there is some things. So I'm just like, I felt like Luann, like, oh, where's your class? <laughs> mm-hmm. You know? And so that's kind of why I literally stopped watching. And I was like, okay, I don't think New York is going to be a go for me until I think I was talking with Kiki on TikTok. And she was like, oh, like, you should watch early seasons. So I was like, okay, I'll give it a try. And what I did, I watched the reunion of season one because I, I did try season one before and I just. I don't know if it's because I came from a production standpoint. So, like, knowing the great quality that, you know, reality (laughs) TV can can give and seeing this, Mm -hmm. I was like, it's just too cringe. So, I was like, I'll watch the reunion, get all the tea of what happened there, kind of figure out who I like. So, I watched season Mm -hmm. one reunion. It was actually entertaining. And so, I was like, okay, cool. I can start from season two, episode one. And I continued on since then, made it to season nine. And I enjoy it, you know, so far. Like, it's in its own bubble um, to where, like, people who I know who like Atlanta and, like, you know, high-energy stuff, I'm like, you know, there's some people I I would say, you know, I think you should watch it. I won't say, oh, add it to the top of your list, but you will definitely enjoy it. You know, there may be some parts mm-hmm. and some moments that you may get it, but I, it's, it's very entertaining in its own section. And so with Leah, I felt she was really trying very hard to be too much of an ally, you know, to where it was kind of hard to watch, you know. This season? You La- last, last season. Last season? And kind of this season. Just from, because again, I didn't watch all of last season, but from what I pick up, I'm pretty much a good judge of character. But it, it seemed like she was trying to be that, because like how they're saying like, oh, we're bringing minority now to really get these white women in place. And I feel like she felt she was that person before Ebony came. Like, she had the mantle to really get these white women in check and wake them up and be the woke person of the group. And that came off kind of strong to where, like, it was kind of like, you know. Um, So with that said, with watching last week's episode, it was hard to see that, um, how she was saying, like, oh, I'm I'm not voting. Like, you know, blah, blah, blah. To where, like, if she's such an ally and very close with Ebony, you will understand how this affects him. I lost, luckily I'm not friends with too many morons, but like during that whole election period, I had 
two arguments with people who I really thought I were friends over that type of things. And one person was just, they were saying the same thing. Like, I'm not, but I'm like, look, like, you are a white male that you will be fine either way and it's not affecting you or your family. Like, you not voting is just handing this election off to someone to who shouldn't be in office, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was trying... I had that same conversation, so that's why I don't understand why Ebony didn't really get on the side of Heather too much because both Leah and Heather, I'm like, about. But in that situation, I felt Leah really just wanted an issue with Heather. And once she heard, like, oh... um, Ebony say, oh, well, Heather did say this about you. She's like, oh, I finally got a reason. Let me go nail it in. And she had her rehearse reads, as uh, Kenya would say, you know, mm-hmm. had her rehearse reads to call her Karen and say this and the other. And she can finally spew it because I felt she felt territorial of what she was doing with Real Housewives in New York. Like, this is our turf now. And now that an old person is coming in, she's like, oh, no, we don't want you here. So that's why... I felt she was on a campaign to say, oh, Elite, uh, Heather's saying all this stuff about you in the press. She said this. She said that. Why are you inviting her here? Like, we should ambush her, this and the other. To where, when, that's why it was hard to see this. Because I was like, I heard about it in the news. But seeing it play out, I'm like, I'm on Heather's side with this. <laughs> you know, like, she made valid points. And your friend says the same thing she said in her confessional and not to your face but she feels the same way like you do need to vote because it affects you i mean well her people like her i watched the first time i watched it i was like this is very bad the second time i watched it i understood more what ebony was saying Mm -hmm. because the first time i watched it i was it was honestly sort of clouded (laughs) over because that Leah's energy was mm-hmm. so big at that point mm-hmm. that I was I like, oh, this re-watch. is where. Th- <laughs> I mean, it was like, this is like where it, it, it was. Uh, I don't mean this in a negative. Well, I mean, it, it was like <laughs> distracting. It was just over. It wasn't distracting. It was overwhelming. Right, so like right. I knew what was about to happen. So I think I was sort of on guard a little mm-hmm. bit about what explosion was about to exist between Leah and Heather. So that like took my attention. But I watched it again. And I've heard from AGs and guys, I have so many satchels. I have like, I think 12 satchels that I wanted to get to. <laughs> satchels, are, satchels of gold are our listener thoughts and feels and questions and concerns. So I'm going to do a Patreon satchel spectacular this weekend because you guys sent me crazy, crazy, unbelievable satchels. A lot of people were inspired to write in after watching New York specifically. So I'm very mm-hmm. excited to deep dive and yes. react to your thoughts on that. But when I watched New York a second time, and in conversation with AGs who have sent me in messages, it felt a little bit like Leah was triggered or I don't know if triggered is the right word or angry because when Ebony started to explain at the end her conversation with Heather while Ebony was getting to the point where she was like, and as, you know, a black American, mm-hmm. this affects me. It felt like what Leo and I could be completely wrong, obviously, guys, tell me to go fuck myself. But it (laughs) felt like Leah was hearing that not only was Heather maybe judging her for not voting, holding her accountable, whatever language you want to use. But it also was the fact that she was thinking Heather was implying about how not voting would affect 
black Americans. Mm-hmm. And Leah was immediately angry at that, at the idea that there was a conversation relating <laughs> to how not voting could be an example of not being an active ally. Mm. And that is what triggered her. And then I think that is what enabled her to refer to Heather as like the worst kind of white feminism and a Karen and all of that. Mm. It was tied Mm. back to her idea that Heather was attempting to have a narrative that Leah's behavior was a part of like problematic allyship mm, mm-hmm. which i it's like <laughs> dot 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 like ebony is telling you that you are a white person and you are using your privilege in a way that can be dangerous mm-hmm. <laughs> to people who do not feel that they have that choice right but i think because leah was already on an 11 <laughs> She was just so angry at the idea that maybe it was like Heather giving that narrative or something else. I I, I couldn't actually totally tell you exactly what that is, but it yeah. felt like there's some sort of twist in there. And yet we're still not really it, it was just an environment in which Leah was so disconnected and yet way 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 too plugged in right and in all of the worst ways and i think at the soul of it she just like i said before just really wanted an issue with heather <laughs> yeah wanted and to also have a reason that, to they, fight. she obviously didn't like her yeah right? obviously so there was tension between that them. she yeah. heard that she just mm-hmm. like here it is i gotta go <laughs> yeah i think that there is something there though when it came to voting and some something along mm-hmm. the lines of being an ally and what a decision not to vote as a political act mm-hmm. what the impact of that is mm-hmm. and it's also it is a thing that a lot of people don't understand which is there is you know it's like you think about the difference between intent and impact which is something i've been talking about on social a lot in the last day or so because of what heather has said on social uh, and how she's been trying to walk it back is that I- intention is something. Mm-hmm. It, it is, you can discuss your intention, but at the end of the day, the impact is going to be there regardless. The impact is what is going to drive home the harm and damage that is going to uh, occur based on your actions. So you can say that the intent of something, well, I had good intent, and it's like, that doesn't help us navigate the trauma that has occurred. And in fact, in some ways, and I don't mean this in relation to Leah, as much as I'm thinking about the stuff that, that has happened with Heather, Mm -hmm. especially on Heather's Instagram. But sometimes people say like, as Luann said, you know, Oh, I, I didn't mean to do that. I I meant, well, you know, I meant well. Mm -hmm. And the result of that is that not only is the behavior triggering, But what you're forcing the other person to say or to think is that it matters that you did not mean harm and that we Mm -hmm. are supposed to believe that that's true, which is Mm -hmm. very problematic. Right. And that's very hard to hear, too, when they're like, oh, like, you know, I didn't mean that or like, oh, Mm -hmm. that's not what, you know, that's very hard to hear. And for her to say that, you know, it puts that responsibility 
back exactly on it. Ebony and off of them to where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, well, did I, did I interpret that wrong? I, I guess I'm wrong. Back to the gaslighting, um, which she did at the dinner table, too. So th- there was just so many things wrong with this episode. And um, I know Ebony said that it's it gets worse before it gets better. So I, I don't even know what that means or what to expect. But, you know, those are little things that can set things off. And I, like I said, it was a very difficult episode to watch. And even the apology was a backhanded one. And there was just so many trigger words and trigger moments that happened that Luann and Ramona at the time were saying, wanting to rush past things like, oh, like, let's just get over. And then, oh, oh, like, well, you know, we just don't know. Like, educate us, educate us, like, just educate us. I wish your viewers could see me because that's literally what Ramona says and does, <laughs> like, cuts herself, like, mm-hmm. educate me, educate. So, where it's just like one that's just brushing past over everything. But again, it puts that responsibility back on her to where when she's expressing herself, it just goes in one and out the other, technically, you know? Yeah, I just, I think that there are ways in which to have these conversations, mm-hmm. but it honestly requires the the counterpart to be receptive. Want to, <laughs> to be receptive and be comfortable being quiet. Mm-hmm. And as a viewer, I felt like that happened in the conversation with Garcelle and Kyle. Right. Mm-hmm. Which has really magnified all of the ways that New York has currently gone terribly wrong mm-hmm. because there are so many layers of like upset when it comes to having these conversations that Ebony has also uh, clarified for a lot of people in her press and interviews and in social, especially this week where it's like, yeah, you know, you think you're doing the right thing you're you're telling me that you're doing the right thing you're telling me that you're an ally but i'm actually uncomfortable with the ways that you are trying to translate on my behalf right you know Mm -hmm. there's a lot of that going on and it's just it's it's just tough you know it's a really difficult season for new york i would say it's Unfortunately, I think it's the single worst. Like, I think a lot of us used to talk shit about four, five, and six. And it's like, this season is really not good. I mm-hmm. don't, I, there are, I, I, I don't know. I, there's just, it doesn't feel like there is light that's going to come out of what feels like a season long shadow. Yeah. It just does not, it's not. Which is why I'm so grateful for Beverly Hills. Yeah. Because I'm mm-hmm. just like, I feel great. And Beverly Potomac. Hills is this big. <laughs> and, well, of course. But I mean, like, Potomac isn't currently on air, uh, but it is coming uh. back. But I'm sure Potomac will be great. But like with Beverly Hills, it's like, well, at least I can feel good watching this. Yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. at least I can like be able to have some escapism, but also connect and understand these women and also understand how problematic i mean fucking lisa rinna's rapist speech what <laughs> the fuck was that what and you know she strategized that she you know did. that she was like this is the story that's gonna make it all okay what on fucking earth but the fact that like the you know uh, thank god for garcelle's confessional i have to say because it was I- like yeah lisa should never talk again I mean, but at least we're, <laughs> we have women who are like saying the things that we're thinking and feeling and mm-hmm. doing so in a way that doesn't feel performative or right. like you're making it worse. Garcelle has really done justice because, of course, I loved her last season, 
But she mm-hmm. didn't, especially when it came to Lisa Rinna, she didn't really voice her opinion and hold her to the fire like I knew she could. This mm-hmm. season, she's definitely, like, not... Because, again, like, even when they had that first conversation at the dinner, Lisa Rinna was like, again, strategy. I'm the king of strategy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I could tell she was like, you know, I'm going to go here. I'm going to admit that I was wrong, even give examples and name call myself because then she has no reason but to say, you know, you took the words out of my mouth. Like, let's move on. And that's what she was like. You know, I'm, I was a bitch. Like, yes, I treated Denise wrong. Like I was a horrible friend, blah, blah, blah. Things that she should have said before. But I'm so glad that Garcelle did not take the bait and still said like, I, I agree with what you said, but still, you mm-hmm. were the ringleader for this, and you're not going to get off this easy. So I'm so grateful this season that Garcelle is really holding Lisa Renna accountable. And I'm very interested to see how this season play out because Lisa Renna is still talking shit in the press, like recently saying like Garcelle is the most fakest and even Dorit. Have you not seen that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I saw the Dorit thing. I don't think I saw the Rena thing. Oh, the same night. They were somewhere in Beverly Hills. And, like, Lisa Rena did an interview with her big, ugly glasses and was like, oh, like, you know, Garcelle, like, you know, she's, like, she's not authentic. Pretty much the same thing Dorit said. And I'm just like, and everyone was like, how is she? Like, she literally said to your face, she does not trust you. <laughs> I mean, I I think the two most I don't even it's like there's no even real conversation about authenticity because you can be super authentic in being a piece of shit. Marcel <laughs> is a very authentic, great person who has you know what I'm saying? Like authenticity, authenticity doesn't being authentic doesn't mean that like you're authentically uh, as a positive like you can authentically be an asshole that is truly your spirit so like yeah you are going to be an asshole mazel tough you know like mm-hmm. garcelle is absolutely being authentic so when they say that she is not it's like maybe to you i, I don't know what that says about you that mm-hmm. she yeah you feel that she's being inauthentic but from what i've seen play out so far it feels like garcelle this is the thing is like authenticity isn't necessarily a good thing. Like Garcelle is being a- authentic, I think, in a great way. Lisa Rinna is probably being very authentic in a really kind of <laughs> fucked up way where she's like, this is like I'm going to, you know, beg and plead for attention and do too much. Mm-hmm. And like that is probably authentically Lisa Rinna. Does she add on a performative level? Yes. The question is, like, is Eric, what does authentic Erica look like? We're not sure. Mm-hmm. I think that part of authentic Erica we've seen season one, but try to be authentic on reality TV when you've been rewarded for playing a part. You mm-hmm. know, like when you've been Erica Jane for so long, that's tough. I mean, Crystal, I think, is being very authentic, and that can be problematic in the language that she used against Sutton, which for someone who had just found out this woman's father who had uh, suffered through a myriad of mental health uh, conditions, ultimately died by suicide, and then to repeatedly call her insane or crazy, I don't think that was intentional. I think that was, but I do think that was, like, harmful. You know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? Like, there are ways in which a person can be authentic. Like, I'm authentically responding to, with frustration about how you're treating me. Mm -hmm. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to land in a world of good 
And, you know, and so I'm not going to go through every person they can on Patreon. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I'll leave that for my friends on Patreon. But, Link in the um, bio. <laughs> thank you. Patreon.com slash Scrolls. But, you know, it's like authentic authenticity is usually according to the person who's being magnified through your own lens. Mm-hmm. So it's like whatever authenticity means to you, you're going to reflect onto this other person and you decide whether or not it's positive or negative, but it doesn't mean that you're right. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that you're correct. Mm-hmm. And so we'll we'll see how that plays out and I I suppose why they think Garcelle is that way, but if if they think that Garcelle is inauthentic, it A doesn't mean that she <laughs> is and B doesn't answer the question of what does authenticity mean to you True. because then let's turn that mirror on itself oh, I you love know this. <laughs> but you know what i'm saying it's like if someone calls me a piece of shit has that happened <laughs> who can <laughs> say but like it's like based on what like what is the standard that you are basing why am i a piece of another shit person? yes <laughs> you know what i'm saying but it's like oh, well i think so and so is bad and it's like well how are we judging this person and it's usually based on our own personal triggers so either that person reminds you too much of yourself and the things that you hate about yourself or or are ashamed of of yourself or it's reminding you of ways that other people have treated you that you're trying to break out it's like at the end of the day authenticity means to you whatever the fuck you want it to be it's like the, i never pronounce this correctly like the <laughs> rorschar what the, the fuck is it that ro- you guys Russia, what is it? Worsh- Russia, Ru- the Russia, sauce? No, not like <gasps> the. What's the fucking. What's the picture where it's like, what do you see? A mouse or somebody with a knife? You know what I'm saying? Where it's like the. Oh, I know. Psychiatrist. I can't Google it because I only remember that there's an R and an O. But you guys, you guys at home, because I know that there are also people who work in like as like psychologists who I'm, listen. I to can't YouTube. even help you. The the whatever it is. Also, I had a speech impediment when I was little, and I couldn't uh I couldn't use R's. So like you guys know what I'm talking about the spiritual thing where you like look at a photo or a picture and it's the question is like what do you see because it's less about you seeing an elephant in that photo if it's like a blob and more about what that means to you how it's representative in your life and your own struggle and path and I think it'll be interesting to see the ways that these women bounce that off each other especially on a franchise like Beverly Hills where it turns out Erica Jane's life is like a fucking house of cards that's currently being sold to somebody else because they have no money. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, Pasadena, go bye-bye, you know. Welcome to another town. So, (laughs) we'll see. I mean, um, it's like if someone someone that you don't think is 100% is saying that you're not, at the end of the day, sometimes that's a fucking, you know badge of honor mazel tov mm-hmm. you know just keep in mind who's saying it if Dorit is saying someone's inauthentic and we don't know what is on the last 15 years of her 1099 huh? think about <laughs> it you know what i'm saying true also do we think that she got a nose job because i actually don't know i think so people are saying like oh like your nose looks wider when you smile and when you do but I, I think so. I do think so. I couldn't tell. And I was charmed by the fact that Kyle was like, we all think so. And but then I in the con- that photo, I was like, I couldn't tell. I, I couldn't tell. I do. Like, that's that's not, like, I don't even know, like, makeup like that. But even like Kyle said, like, that's not, like, like, contour. <laughs> that's right? not, like, it makeup doesn't... and stuff. Yeah. 
I mean, but also our faces do change as we get older, aka younger plus change. years. Her accent changed. Like she thinks she's an international <laughs> like try like. I, she's the most inauthentic person. Like she's over have a conversation about a whole nother country when it's like you're from Connecticut. Like why are you talking like you're <laughs> this international? Like you can travel, but that doesn't change what and who you are. <laughs> um, she is a child of the world and our headquarters are in <laughs> New England and that's really all you need to know is what Dorita's trying to tell us listen Julian Hagens I could talk to you all day yes. it's also guys almost midnight oh Eastern, my god I so totally I forgot you're you in New York <laughs> <laughs> I am so loopy and as discussed at it's not from booze but right. I'm like from... the night's getting started here I'm so sorry <laughs> <laughs> no, don't apologize. It's just because I love talking to you is where we are. Tell the people how to follow you, what you're up to on TikTok, so, yeah, on Instagram, on it all. You can follow me on Instagram. Um, it's just my name, Julian Hagens, H-A-G-I-N-S. And then I think I have an underscore under. Was, I think you have a underscore. Yeah, I, I think, think it's Julian Hagens underscore. That is true. Yes. Follow, follow me, not them. And then on TikTok, I have my name, just Julian Hagens, no underscore. Um, and yeah, like, again, like, I'm into um, New York now. So mostly whatever I post on TikTok, like the clips that I see on the episodes that I watch, um, I will post it on Instagram. And it's it's so great because I feel like everyone's on the journey with me, too. Um, but... So, yeah, so I'm on that now, and, yeah, I don't really post on Facebook that much, MySpace anymore. Follow me on LinkedIn if you got a job <laughs> posting, <space>. like, <laughs> Friends open to whatever. Star. Yeah, that's me, kick. That's the <laughs> Alta Vista slash hello. Um, guys, I am so excited about a new Patreon episode that went just went up with Stephanie from Mocha Minutes. We talk about Caroline and Dina forever and ever. Amen. <laughs> it's an hour plus app. So um, follow and support the pod on the Andy's Girls Patreon. Starts at $2 a month. $5 a month gets you two bonus episodes. $10 a month gets you four bonus episodes plus invites to special events. And I do love an AG patreon zoom kiki and you can also join the premium level the people's people's couch and record with me on a special episode or decide what the fuck you want me to talk about on uh patreon so that's patreon.com slash annie scrolls as i mentioned earlier in the episode i'm gonna do a satchel spectacular this weekend because you guys sent me some fucking a plus plus uh responses to new york beverly hills and some other stuff so i will have that up this weekend and instagram at dame galley i'm trying Trying to get to 7,000 before I have a hair appointment, which I think is really <laughs> So, guys, 200 follows to go. It would genuinely mean a lot to me if I could post a selfie of myself with a cute short bob and golden highlights again um, and say thanks for seven. And maybe I'll, like, hold up seven fingers because I really do not think I'm going to spend money on a balloon. But I would really <laughs> appreciate it. So if you can tell all your Bravo fans, it's just 200, 200 follows 200. between now and 
just just between now and next week i'd really appreciate it um because i think i know what i'm gonna wear for that photo and i just need you guys to follow me so that that can happen so instagram at dame galley and julian this was a delight you're wonderful thank you thank you i also need to get your number so we can like text each other about bravo shit all the time because i'm like the only way i can message you is like on instagram like i need your number so we'll do that offline (laughs) yeah i was gonna say i've been lightly stocked yeah so we don't need to get the information out there yep yep for for anybody who's like sarah what's your p.o box so i can send you stuff me holding off on that guys just for like after a delightful week online public information Um, no more public information for now but you can certainly follow me on um instagram unless you're uh, julian and he will be getting my uh text info in just a moment special hello uh guys i hope you're feeling safe and sane and getting vaccinated if you can i just got my first shot did you what did you get what'd you get johnson and johnson i'm just playing now i got pfizer (laughs) (laughs) i love vaccine humor oh my god and you know what the thing is like we all get the I'm a Moderna person. Okay. Did you get flu-like symptoms the next day? You know what's so fucked up is I have some, like, underlying health conditions, so I was actually very freaked out. I thought I was going to really get fucked up. So the first shot the next day, I had, like, a little – it felt like a little bit of a cold, and Mm -hmm. it was gone by mid-afternoon. And then I was like, second shot, I'm going to be completely fucked. I felt nothing the day after my second shot. It was wild. Oh, interesting. And I'm hearing that, I guess, from people with, like, autoimmune stuff that for some reason – Yeah. I don't know. It's because we, like – deal with so much else that for some reason like we don't with some of us don't have those kinds of crazy symptoms i've heard from other friends who have health conditions who unfortunately got really really wiped yeah, out from it yeah. but i was lucky so i think you're i think you're gonna be okay, okay well, i think you're great. gonna be okay yeah. you're gonna text me and tell me what's up we're gonna <laughs> okay, great. um ride the hydration station my friend after getting vaccinated you want to drink a lot of water and not uh necessarily one <gasps> tonight. I guess that's my number one problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, I hope you are grabbing yourself a glass of Ramona Pinot G finishing up this episode. Um, Julian, you're delightful. Thank you for coming on Andy Scrolls. Guys, I hope you are all hanging in there and we will talk to you soon. Hello. Bye-bye.